Good morning, One Church. How y'all doing? Fantastic. It's an honor being with you today. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. And today we are finishing our series called Unlikely. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Let's uh, go through and let's look at what were the ground that we've covered. Uh, the first week we looked at a person by the name of Gideon and we debunked the myth that uh, we can't serve God because we're too weak or we're too scared. We lack courage. And we looked at this guy by the name of Gideon who was all chicken, all yellow. And when God showed up, he called him mighty warrior. And he saw something in Gideon that Gideon didn't even see in himself. Uh, the second week, we debunked the myth that God can't use me because we don't have any influence or we don't have any titles. And we looked at the person by the name of Deborah. We looked at this woman in the Old Testament by the name of Deborah. And what's so cool about Deborah is that she stood with somebody who lacked courage. She stood with somebody who needed help. And we talked last week that all of us have influence, regardless of any titles or anything like that. You may not have a title, but if you're willing to stand with someone, you have influence in somebody's life. Today, we're finishing our series, and we're looking at this whole myth that God can't use me or God can't use some people because of their labels. God can't use some people because of their past. All of us have a past. All of us have labels. In fact, let's just play a little bit of a game today. I'm going to say a name, and I want you to fill in the label of their name. All right? Attila the... All right, cool. Everybody knows that. All right? I don't know what hun means. All right? I assume it's a honey bun cake. What about Conan the... Conan the Barbarian? Absolutely. Billy the... Billy the Kid. Yeah, that's good. All right? Give you another one. Buffy the... All righty, all right. Zena the, y'all are really passionate about Zena. I'm going to throw that out there, all right, all right. And then lastly, Winnie the, all right, for those that have small children in here, thanks for playing, all right. Here's the thing. We have a tendency to, we love labeling people, don't we? We love that. In fact, we love labeling other people, but usually, very rarely, do any of us like being labeled ourselves. But all of us wear a label. All of us are known for something. And if, if I asked you, what type of negative label would follow your name? What would it be? Maybe in high school? Maybe you were known as easy, or a drunk, or a partier, or just average? Maybe you were known as by the people you hung out with. You know, I was a band geek, but right next to, to the band room, there was the shop class. All right, how many of y'all were in shop? All right, some of y'all people scared me. I'm going to throw that out there. So I went to Clarksville High, so then I probably didn't go to school with any of you guys. So I'm not scared of you. But it's just like, man, I don't know nothing about nothing when it comes to building nothing. You know what I mean? Uh, I found this out this past week when my radiator in my Isuzu Amigo blew up. I mean, blew up. And I, I don't even exaggerate. I exited, you know, I, there's steam coming out. And had a really good friend who was in my last small group named Randy who was able to show me, walk me through the process. And Randy, another fellow in my last small group named Mike Byer, and we ended up changing uh, my radiator out. But, man, I praise God for people like that who are known as handy because I am not, right? I mean, all of us are known for something. What are you known for? Maybe it was something in high school. Maybe it was something in college. Maybe it's something that when you look in the mirror 
today, when you woke up this morning and you looked into the mirror today, you saw a label. And this is maybe some of the things that you see. You may, I'm divorced. I'm a divorcee. I'm unemployed. I've been fired. I'm financially bankrupt. I mean, what do you see when you look in the mirror? You see these labels that other people have labeled us with. And some of you, you don't want to reminisce about your past because it's too painful. It's too difficult. And you think it is highly unlikely that God could ever use me and would ever use me because of the label. Today we're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, Joshua chapter 2, you can go ahead and start turning there. Uh, We give away free Bibles here at One Church because we believe that God's Word is true and it gives life. So I'd encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, make sure to pick one of those up. Or if you have a smartphone, you can follow along on Uversion. You can download that for free and click live and you can follow along and interact. And we have all kinds of polls and all kinds of cool stuff on there as well. So Let's look at Joshua chapter 2, and as you're turning there, let me give you some context, all right? God had chose a group of people by the name of the Israelites, and he chose this group of people that originally came from one family, and now they're numbering in the millions, about three million people. And these people have really never had a home. They've been kind of wanderers. They've been living in tents. Some people call them Bedouins. All right, They've been wandering around, and they've been wandering around the past 40 years. And finally, Joshua gets all these 3 million people together and says, it's time. It's time to throw away the tents. It's, I mean, none of you have had like a permanent, you know, like mailbox. You've been, you know, your P.O. box is just kind of, kind of moving. You're always having to fill out those change of address forms about every day because we move so much. But today, this month, this year, something amazing is going to happen You are going to go into a land that God has promised you, and you are going to live in a house and towns that you didn't build. And who is going to give this to us is God. Now, that's really cool. So, as he's telling them this, he says, you know what, here's what we're going to do. We are going to send in some spies. And he sends in some spies in the land, and he's trying to get a battle plan because he's a general and, uh, you know, they, they didn't have Google Maps back then. So they couldn't, he couldn't Google, like, all the towns and all the bad guys and stuff. So he's, what he decided to do is get some boots on the ground, things, and he said, I'm going to send some people in, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna look at this place. And he says, I really want you to look at also is Jericho. And let me tell you a little bit about this town named Jericho. Jericho, archaeologically, is the oldest town in the world. All right? Really, really cool. And it is the oldest town in the world. And at this time, it is the most well-fortified town in the world. Now, they had, they had this wall that was 20 feet thick. How, how, how thick was it? 20 feet. How big is 20 feet? That's big, right? It was 20 feet thick, and it was 25 feet high. And if that wasn't enough, they had another wall that was... 20 feet thick and 25 foot high, they were, they were doubly protected. It was like double bag groceries at Walmart, right? All right? Anybody ever go to Walmart and you put the, co- put the milks and all that stuff in there and they don't double bag it? What happens? You lose your religion and you start yelling and cussing stuff. I understand that. I understand that. All right, cool. I mean, they are doubly protected with this 
20 feet thick wall, 25 feet high times two. All right? And in between these two walls, there's about 15 feet in between them. And there's these joists, there's these um, big uh, wooden beams that join the two walls. And in that day and age, many times people would put their houses in between these two walls. That is where we pick up in Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Then Joshua secretly sent out the two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. Now, he secretly did this, which means he probably didn't even tell his own people. Let me tell you the reason why he didn't tell his own people, all right? Because 40 years before, Moses decided to send in some spies, and everybody knew about it. They all came back, and everybody voted. Hey, how many of y'all want to go and follow what God wants us to do? And nobody except Joshua and Caleb, everybody said, oh, we ain't going to do it. Let me tell you, the only place where a church or a group of people voting together is mentioned in the Bible is in Numbers 13, and it didn't go too well for them. All right? So this is one of these things where Joshua has learned from his, his mentor's mistakes, and he says, you know what, we're going to keep this a secret, and we're going to send them in. And he says, instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around where? Jericho. We all, come on now. Some of y'all hooked on phonics. Come on, hooked on phonics. Um, Especially around where? Jericho. So the two men set out out and came to the house of a, excuse me, uh, came to a house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there the night. Why in the world do you stay the night at a prostitute's house? All right? Throw that out there. All right? I ain't answering that question. Rahab the prostitute. Now, that's interesting. By the way, the word Rahab, her name means pride and savagery. All right? I mean, she is scratching out her life, her living, working as a prostitute. Now, why does a woman become a prostitute? Let me tell you. It, she, a woman doesn't become a prostitute because she loves intimacy or sex. That's never the reason. Women become prostitutes today as, as well as they get, became prostitutes 3,500 years ago because she's trying to scratch out a living. She is poor. She's trying to feed her family. She's trying to make ends meet. She's trying to buy groceries. She's just trying to survive. And in this culture, listen to this, in this culture, prostitutes lived beside the city gates or in between the walls. And let me tell you the reason why. is because for a couple of reasons. Number one... People, weary travelers would come by the city gate. And you would have prostitutes who would want to lure them in and say, hey, aren't you sleepy? Aren't you tired? Aren't you whatever? All right? And they would go. And many times prostitutes would either live in between the city walls or actually on the walls on top of these wooden joists that connects the two because this was kind of the low-rent district. All right? If somebody attacks a city, who are the first person who are killed? The people who are on the walls, Right? The people who are right there, because that's the protection. So, amazingly enough, they show up at this prostitute's house by the name of Rahab. Now, this is interesting. I didn't know this until this past week. But as I was digging through this, archaeologists, they've uncovered a lot of these different houses, either on the walls or in between the walls. And the word house is probably not the best translation for this, because Rahab probably, she lived at this place, but it was probably more like a tavern or an inn. This is really interesting. I mean, I want you to think a Wild West saloon, right? Everybody got that in your head? Tombstone, I'm your Huckleberry. Y'all with me? 
All right, Randy, you with me? All right, cool. Here's the thing. They, they think of this where on the bottom part you have the bar and everybody's hanging out and all the people of the city kind of come and they hear the gossip and all this stuff. And in the, on the top part, there's these rooms that you can rent for about an hour you know, an hour at a time, right? So people, these weary travelers, would come into these taverns that are right next to the city gate, and they would, if they wanted company, they could purchase that. If they wanted a drink, they could purchase that. Or if they just wanted to just catch up on all the town gossip. I want you to think tap room, all right? That is what's happening here. And that is where these spies, that's the reason they show up here, because they're wanting to people watch. They're wanting to listen to what the people of Jericho, uh, they're wanting to just, they're, they're just kind of, they're looking around. They are forming a battle plan here. So what are these spies hearing? They are hearing that everybody in Jericho is scared to death of them. I mean, scared to death. And now think about this. Jericho is right next to the Jordan River. And right across from the Jordan River, there's 3 million people camping out. All right, So you can see these people. When the lights go down at night and all this stuff, you see three million campfires out there, and you are starting to shake in your boots. You're thinking, wow, our wall is thick, but it ain't that thick. And you are starting to get a little bit worried. All right, And that's the buzz all over the city. That's what's happening. But here's the problem. The king of Jericho, the leader of Jericho, also had spies who would like going into these taverns. And they, they said, hey, I think those people are Jews. I think they're Israelites. And he goes up, all of these officials come to Rahab's house, tavern, and says, I want you to bring those guys out. And Rahab has a choice. Look at this. Verse 2. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab. Bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab has a choice to make. What do you do? Now think about this. She is a Canaanite. That means she is like, she's not an Israelite. All right? She is an enemy of the Israelites. She's an enemy of God's people. And she's living in Jericho. And she probably doesn't have the best reputation because everybody knows her as Rahab the what? Prostitute. There you go. All right? If you have a different translation, it's Rahab the harlot. It all means the same thing. All right? So she has a choice. What does she do? She can give up the spies and maybe get a bounty for and get in cahoots with the king of Jericho and everybody may start liking Rahab. And may, she may become a high-priced call girl, all right, for the, like the Hollywood section of Jericho, all right? Or she can hide them. She can lie. She has a choice to make. What did she choose to do? Look at this. Rahab had hidden the two men, verse 4, but she replied, Yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close, and I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. In parentheses, actually, she had hid them up on the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. Rahab had a choice, and she chose to hide the spies. Now, she hid them in flax. Now, what is that? Well, none of us know what that is. Flax was used to make linen, was used to make clothes, but it was also used to make bed sheets. And Rahab is always needing some more bed sheets. Thank you for coming to one church. All right. So she is hiding them beneath this flax. All right. And in doing so, she risked her life. I mean, she could have been executed and killed by the king of Jericho, but she chose to risk her life and lie 
to her own people so that she can protect these two Israelite spies. Now, why did she make this choice? Why did she risk her life for these two? Look at verse 5. This will tell you the reason why. Excuse me, verse 8. It says this. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk to them. I know the, what's that next word? I know the Lord. Now, look at that word Lord. It's capitalized. I'm going to tell you why that is capitalized in a sec. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all what? Afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the, everybody said together, one church. Lord, we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. Now, quick question. How many years ago did God make a dry path through the Red Sea? Anybody know? Forty years before. So they've heard about this, and for the next past 40 years, rumors have been following around and flying around. I mean, these people have been talking for the past 40 years. And we know what you did to the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, who you completely destroyed. By the way, that was just recent events. That was a few months ago. Now now our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the, everybody help me. For the Lord, your God, is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. You see, the reason why Rahab made a choice is because Rahab is choosing to identify herself with the one true God. Now, let me tell you, and I'm going to answer this question about why we have all this capitalization of Lord in the Bible. You see, the Canaanites, they, they had gods, little Gs, right? They believed in all these different gods, and they worshiped the sun, moon, and the stars, and all this stuff. But when she says God... She's not using all of these sun, moon, and stars, that her own gods that her own people worship. She uses the Hebrew covenant name for God, Yahweh. Everybody say Yahweh. Yahweh. Anytime that the word Lord is capitalized in the Bible, it is Yahweh. And very, very important, this was the name of the Israelite God, the name of God. So she's saying this, you know what, all these people are believing and worshiping these other gods. But I choose to worship Yahweh. Your God is the God. He is the supreme God. And he rules over all of the heaven above and all of the earth below. Rahab is saying, your God is the God. The people in Jericho, yeah, they worship a lot of other gods. But your God is the God and she chooses sides. She identifies herself with Yahweh, the God of of the Bible. And by the way, what's her profession? Prostitute. A harlot. A whore. A hooker. This hooker chose God. She chooses God. She chooses sides. Rahab made a choice. I, if I'm going to worship these gods or God, I am going to choose God. And let me tell you, one of my biggest fears and one of the things we talk, you know, we're not at one church, we're not here just to attract a crowd. Anybody can attract a crowd. All right? Anybody can do that. But what we want to do is we want to attract people and help lead them to become a, 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 a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what we want. That's, that's our goal. That's our mission. And in doing that, you have to say, I am going to choose sides. 
You can't ride the fence. Anybody ever tried to ride a barbed wire fence? How'd that go for you? It doesn't work, does it? You see, Rahab chose sides. And one of the things that we talk about every Sunday morning, eventually, you may be here and you may be kind of investigating God and Jesus, the Bible. You don't really understand this stuff, but you're coming and maybe this is like your first time coming back to church in like forever. And that's cool. We want you to take your time. But eventually, what's going to have to happen is you're going to have to say, okay, I am going to choose God. And I'm not going to choose all this other stuff. Eventually, you have to make a choice because that is exactly what Rahab did. She made a choice. She chose the one true God. She didn't straddle a barbed wire fence. She made a choice. Verse 11, for the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now, what happens? These two spies says, okay, we hear you. And we thank you for harboring us. And here's here's a plan. We're coming back and God is going to wipe out the city. But we're going to make a deal with you. Because of what you did and the faith that you showed in God and your actions, what we're going to do is if you hang this red scarlet cord outside of your window and her house, her tavern was right on the wall, they say this, when everything comes down and everything gets wiped out, you and everybody in that household will be saved. Everybody else is going to die. But you can get all your friends, all your family, all your loved ones. You get them in that house at that time, and you will not be harmed. And that is exactly what happened. Rahab gathered all of her friends, all of her loved ones, everybody in that house, and God told the Israelites to do something really unlikely. He says, here's what I want you to do. He says, just to show you, you're all kind of concerned about how big the city is. God says, I got this. Here's what you're going to do. For six days, you're going to take the Ark of the Covenant. It has all this Ten Commandments. You all have seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. Cool. All right. And I want you to, once a day, I want you to march around the city one time. Okay, I got that. What else do we need to do? Now we get our spears and we shoot. No, 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 no. No, no. Just keep them cheese. All right? Watch out, Sparky. Keep it cheese. All right. So they do that for six days. And on the seventh day... God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take all the trumpets, all the band geeks, all this stuff. You're going to march around the city seven times. And on the seventh time, all the trumpets are going to blare. Everybody's going to yell. And I'm going to give you the city. And everybody's like, and you you call yourself a general, Joshua? Give me a plan I can follow. Right? But amazingly, as unlikely as this plan is, it works. And the walls of the city come tumbling down. All of the walls come tumbling down except this one little section where Rahab's house stands. That's just cool. God protects them. In fact, look at, look at this in, in Joshua chapter 6, verse 25. It says, so Joshua spared Rahab the, what's your, Rahab the what? Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies of Joshua sent to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. Let's everybody say that last. I love that last sentence. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. Now, what's amazing, and the reason why I don't want us to rush by that last line, it's so important. The storyteller who's writing this story, his name is Joshua. He's writing this story sometime after the Battle of Jericho, but it's still, I mean, Rahab is still living. And where is Rahab living? 
among the Israelites. I mean, she becomes an accepted member of the community of God's people. I mean, amazingly enough, 40 years ago when God gave this law of Moses, y'all remember the Ten Commandments? I mean, I mean, God gives Moses all these Ten Commandments, and he says, by the way, if you're a prostitute, you should be stoned. 40 years later, God's grace saves this Canaanite enemy of God prostitute woman. And you know what's amazing about this? And this is really, and it answers the question we've been asking about our labels. Who will God not use? Who will God not use? How, how low will he stoop to use someone? You want to know how low? As low as it takes. As low as, as, I mean, he will go, he will go to no, I mean, no uncertain depths. And he will stoop and he will use any, anybody. It doesn't matter if you messed up your life royally. It doesn't matter what type of label, negative label follows your name. God will use anybody. In fact, our big idea today is this. Look at this is what it says. Your label isn't an obstacle for God to use you. Your label isn't an obstacle for God to use you. Every time we read Rahab's name in the Bible, it's Rahab the what? Come on now. Rahab the what? Prostitute. Rahab the prostitute. I mean, that's bad. We're 3,500 years later from this lady dying, and we're talking about Rahab the... I mean, how come How come we can't change your label? How come she's not known as Rahab the one who actually saved the spies? I don't know. Maybe it doesn't rhyme. I don't know. It, 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 I mean, why? it's Rahab the prostitute. Why did the label stick? And I'm going to tell you the reason why I think the label stuck. It's because God wants us to know that God can use anybody. Sometimes I think that God loves looking for the most jacked up, messed up people in the world who has all of these past, all of these problems, so that he can use them more than the people who have it all together. Why? So that he could get the credit for it. That is cool. Now hear me. Where you should hear, some of, how many of y'all are perfect? How many of y'all are messed up? Thank you. Here's the cool thing about that. God wants to use you. And your labels isn't an obstacle. They're not obstacles for God to use you and in a very unlikely and amazing way. Heaven is going to be filled with people like Rahab. Heaven is going to be filled with whores and harlots and prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners and liars and people who cheat on their taxes and thieves and people who get divorced and people who, who uh, commit adultery and people who, uh, who have went to jail and people who have been fired and people who've, who've gotten bankrupt. I mean, heaven is going to be filled with people who are insignificant, people who think they're important, people who are lowly, people who have nothing to offer, people who have no position, people who have no social status. Heaven is going to be filled with people with no possessions, no pedigree, no class, no morals. But the reason why they're going to be in heaven, all of these people have the same thing in common. They put their faith in God. So my question is, are you going to be where Rahab is today? And see, it has nothing to do with your label. Your label just gives opportunity for God to use you even more. 
And God's power is bigger than your past. Totally bigger than your past. This is amazing. I think in so many ways, we're just like Rahab. Each of us are lived, we have a label attached to our name. And it may not be Billy the Kid or Zena the whatever. But it's something. It's, it's John the Thief. Or Larry the Table Guy. Let me tell you, for some of you, maybe the reason why you've not stepped into a church for so long is because you wear a label. And that may have kept you away from approaching God. And I want you to listen to this. Now, if you, if you miss anything else, you lean in to listen to this story. God didn't ask Rahab to change her profession before he used it. God didn't ask Rahab, you know what, maybe you should stop turning tricks before I should use you. It's interesting that when the Israelite spies offered her a safe passage and salvation from her not being killed, they didn't ask her, now you know what, you need to stop this. You need to stop what you're doing. Abandoning her trade wasn't part of the deal. Rahab's label wasn't an obstacle for God to use her or to save her, and neither is it yours. I mean, all she did was acknowledge that God is the most God, powerful God in the world, who is higher in heaven and everything over the earth. And let me tell you, amazingly enough, same way comes for you. God's not asking you to abandon anything. He's just asking you to put your faith in Him. To trust Him. And that is grace. That's a churchy word we throw out many times. But grace is just getting what you don't deserve. It's somebody doing something nice to you when you should. What should have happened is somebody should have done something mean to you because of something you did that was evil. That is the way of grace. And that's the way it's been from the beginning. Grace doesn't require people with embarrassing labels to shed those labels before they get saved. Before they begin a relationship with God. Grace, what's so cool, empowers us to help shed those labels once we start that relationship with God. And amazingly enough, because of grace, God's love gives us a different set of labels. Let me tell you the different labels that God gives us. Accepted. Loved. Forgiven. A daughter of God. A son of God. That is grace. And we don't know how long it took for Rahab to completely shake her past and to stop her profession. We don't know. In fact, let me tell you this. Some of you, we don't know how, it's going to, how long it's going to take for you to get out of your jacked upness. And I don't know how long it's going to take for me. But you know what I do know? Just like Rahab, it's a process. It's a process. And hopefully, day by day, you start growing into the new labels that God gives you and I. That is awesome. It may take some time, but eventually it will happen. Now, as we close, there's two other places that Rahab's name shows up in the Bible. Actually, three. All right? The first, the one I'm not going to be able to get to, you're going to have to look at it later, is in James chapter 2 in the New Testament. But let me show you the two other places besides James that Rahab's name comes up. It's in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, let me give you some context. 
Hebrews chapter 11 is like the Hall of Fame of people who are good and who have faith. It's kind of like the Heisman Trophy winners, right? right? It's kind of like the Cam Newton, right? Auburn fans? All right. How many of y'all are Bama fans? We have churches all over Clarksville that you can attend. I'm just, I'm just joking with you. All right. Um, and UT fans, how y'all doing? Anyway, get back on my script. All right. Here, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, you have this hall of fame. And it mentions people who are really awesome and had a lot of faith. People like Abraham, Noah, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Gideon, Barak, Samson, David, Samuel. And guess right smack dab in the middle of all of those awesome, really the bomb people who are just awesome with their faith. You know who's mentioned? Hebrews 11.31. It was by faith that Rahab the, <laughs> Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with her people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. I mean, God is saying, hey, by the way, in, this, in chapter 11, everybody needs to emulate all of these people, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac. All. By the way, you need to emulate a prostitute. Excuse me? Well, where's that? It's there. You need to have the type of faith this prostitute had. That is cool. I mean, it, I mean, that should be just total proof that God wants to move past your labels and past your past. And he wants to do something amazing with you. Second, the, the last time her, her name is mentioned in the New Testament, this is so neat. And I just get off on, on like weird stuff, so you have to hang out with me. Matthew chapter 1. Um, it's the genealogy. And what a genealogy is like a family tree. How many of y'all know like some, like some of your family tree? Any, any of y'all? All right. I have I know some of my family trees. Some of my family trees, some great people. And then I have a great great grandfather who used to run a ferry on the Cumberland River here. And um and then the bridge got built over the Cumberland and then he like threatened to blow it up and you know and he was kind of like a terrorist type of thing. But amazingly enough, we all have some strange people in our genealogy, right? All right, here's the thing about this. We see all of this, all these begats, you know, like the the dad begat the son, and then this son became a dad and begat this son. And what's so cool is in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, listen to this. Salmon, all right, he's not just a good fish. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was what? Who? Rahab. By the way, where's the prostitute there? I mean, here's the one of the only times... In the Bible, it finally got shed, her label. And you know what? The reason why it's not said the prostitute there is because she's given another label. Let's keep on reading. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David. Despite her sin-stained past, a young man by the name of Salmon saw in Rahab a beautiful woman of faith. And he asked her family for her hand in marriage. Salmon and his bride Rahab gave birth to a son. They named him Boaz. And Boaz, perhaps influenced by this remarkable courage and grace of his mom, married a down-on-her-luck widow by the name of Ruth. 
And Boaz and Ruth later became great-grandparents of none other than King David. You know, no longer known as a prostitute, clinging for survival in the lowest rung of Canaanite society, Rahab became a member of the Hebrew community and not only just become just on the outskirts, she became smack dab in the middle of the Hebrew community where she is now in line. She's the great, great, great grandmother of King David. She becomes the queen mother, if you will. All right? A mother of the greatest dynasty the world had ever known because if you keep on reading in Matthew 1, verse 16, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Rahab, the prostitute, is now Rahab, part of the line of Jesus, the Son of God. That is amazing. And you need to know that your labels, they are, they, they are no match, no obstacle for God to use you. And you may be known as easy. You may be known as a drunk. You may be known as somebody who shoots up and who is a user. You may be known for a lot of things, but you need to know this, that if you make a choice to align yourself with God, He will take that label that you once had and He will give you a new label and God wants to relabel you. I mean, this is the perfect picture of God taking somebody unlikely and doing something unlikely in their life and by their life. And God can do the same Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And some of you, you've heard me talk about this decision. You need, some of you, you need to make a decision today. That you need to come to God. And you need, you need to come to God and you need to say, God, you are the God. And I am not. And I'm not in control of my life, but you are. And I believe, trust, and put my faith in you. Let's pray. Dear God, I know there's some people out there today who need to make this choice, who need to make a decision to come to you. And they say, God, I know you can use me. You can use me in spite of my label. And Lord, for those in here who need to make a choice, a decision for you today, I pray, God, that they, with all of their heart, that they would be able to put their trust and faith in you by praying a prayer like this. For those who right now, you want to make that decision for God. You pray this silently to yourself. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm labeled. I know because I'm reminded of it all the time. And God, I keep on thinking and I thought, Lord, that I have to get better in order before I can come to you. And Lord, I realize by Rahab's life, I don't need to get better. I just need to get you in my life. I need to come to you. For Lord, you are calling me in my heart and in my life. So God, I put my faith and trust in you. And I believe in you. And I confess that you are Lord. I pray that you would come. Cleanse me of my sins. And by your grace, God, that you would help me change that label. That you would help me turn from that and let me run to you. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for those people 
who today have made that decision. And Lord, for so many of us, Lord, who feel like, yeah, we, we know where we stand between you and God. But Lord, for those who struggle with allowing their past to just continue to creep into their present, and it's affecting their future. Lord, I pray that they would pray this prayer. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you so much that you can use prostitutes, hookers, people who don't have it all together. And Lord, if you can use people like that, then you can use me. So Lord, I pray that today I would stop looking at the labels that I've labeled myself with and the labels that people have labeled me with, and I would start looking at my life and my eternity with the labels that you have labeled me with. And that is loved, accepted, forgiven, a child of God. Lord, I believe in you. It's in your name that we pray.